Hello and welcome to Circular Business Podcast Special Edition of Weekly Gupshap with the Circular Collective. I am your host and host Shri Priya Shridharan and today we have with us Vikas Dargan from the Circular Collective who is an architect, a cultural professional and Anand fellow. He is passionately working towards craft revival and rural livelihood generation in India. Vikas, welcome back to Weekly Gupshap. Thank you so much, Sripya. It's really amazing to be back here. We are also excited for all our listeners. I think most of you, especially the ones in India, you might be aware that this time of the year is celebrated as Ganesh Chaturthi. For our international listeners, Ganesh Chaturthi is a ten-day festival where, on the first day, the elephant-headed god Ganesha, in the form of small idols. makes his way into a devotee's home devotees make lots of sweets especially modaks and bahut sara khana banta hai and it's it's given as a symbolic offering to your beloved god it's also a time for having family get togethers and it's it's quite a popular festival in india and on the last day of this festival the tradition of ganesh visarjan takes place where these idols are immersed in water either in lakes rivers or in sea so there are also um, i think 70 years back the community community celebration of ganesh chaturthi gained significance during the independence movement but uh, even after we got our independence still the uh, tradition continued so those of the families who don't want to have individual idols they come together and probably 15 20 families have one common idol and but just they continue the ritual they continue the tradition so even that ways but then when it is a community idol the size of the idols are much bigger compared to the ones at home so that that is um, a small uh, fact which i thought is relevant for um, the further part of the discussion that i'll be bringing in this visarjan that takes place is um, like i mentioned earlier the idols are immersed in water and because of this particular process it gained the attention and scrutiny of environmentalists because of the harm that the new age idols are causing to the environment now if you look at it carefully i mean just let's keep aside the religious and angle of it aside if you see their festival comes every year right and it is a tradition to get the idols home and immerse it in water like completing the whole cycle so if you look at the idols in the form of a product it is single use in nature and that's why anything that is single use in nature needs to be carefully designed when whenever we are discarding it right but yahan when we look at the visarjan patterns in earlier days most of these idols at least i think uh, 40 50 years ago these idols were made out of mud and clay but slowly as uh, the supply chains got better the technologies and the awareness increased and especially when people wanted to have complicated designs 
and uh, bigger giant designs at that time mud and clay was not helping their designs in any way and that's when plaster of paris enters uh, the scene and while plaster of paris is derived from natural materials the problem is if i take an example of a city like mumbai if there are like uh, lakhs of ganeshas being immersed in the water body at one point of time imagine the natural we are already overpowering the natural capacity of the water body to break down these materials some uh, especially the giant idols because of their size they have to be immersed in sea water and if you just go to that beach after one or two days you can see a massacre of limbs haath aise pade hai pair aise sir is like severed heads on the beach which just washes off so it shows that the even the sea couldn't break it down completely and ultimately it's more like a pollution and your city's water bodies get choked it it kind of um, hinders with the natural water cycle and that's why pop plaster of paris idols were an environmental hazard but uh, this awareness uh, even the even bmc took a lot of uh, care in creating that awareness and since 4 5 years at least in my own network i know all of them have opted for uh, clay or mud idols which is a good transition so it's really amazing yeah and uh, just this season i just checked jin jin ke bhi ghar pe ganesha hai they all have opted uh-huh. for eco friendly which is good and that just makes us feel better that creating awareness and providing alternatives does make a difference because people want to be conscious so karna chahte hai to if only we give them an option so that is one one part of the whole tradition of idol making and soon navratri will come again uh, it will be durga idols that will be there out Hanji. in our communities Hanji. because i am so curious to know ye to festivals and these traditions have been there since a long time but i'm sure Hanji. the art of idol making the art of um, creating these murtis have evolved and there might be different pathways to it were there some Certainly. sustainable designs and how did it happen in the earlier days so before we discuss, uh, take this discussion forward uh, i would like to ask you a simple question that what comes to your mind when you see an idol or what information you can extract by just just looking at it mm, uh, probably in first glance i can come to know of uh, probably what god it is the size color yeah. and maybe even a guess on the material that's that's really amazing uh, because i asked this exact question to one of my friend and i quote his response he said god is one of the biggest creator of livelihood in our country that is true <laughs> unfortunately and same same i was also astonished by his response because belief in god led to idol making traditions and that led to such large scale livelihood in our country yeah and in this context i really owe this to my faculties and mentors at anand fellowship to push me to think at this level and you rightly mentioned that uh, we can identify which god is it with what is the size what is the color what is the material and it also gives us information on the ornamentation and the styles used what techniques yeah. uh, was used to make this specific craft or idol and if we if we talk about the combination of technique and ornamentation 
one can identify what geographical location does this style belong to and mm-hmm. a lot of like such information is relevant from an understanding perspective right uh speaking alone about uh, this specific craft or technique of lost wax lost wax casting which is also known as cypher day the okay. process attained after thorough modification of over centuries is like seriously believed to be more than 5000 years old mm-hmm. and in this whole time nothing has majorly changed the process has been consistent uh it it is similar to what we use in india than uh with the uh processes and techniques used around the world only variation can be on the basis of iconography or the material composition used and uh, certainly the material composition varies as per the geographic locations and availability of raw material at that specific time that specific place interesting so how did we reach here like what role has culture played in this uh, type of casting okay so if we talk about our a polytheistic belief systems like india's where there are numerous devatas that exist and are worship worshiped by humans seeking safety and prosperity mm-hmm. and not just numerous devatas but different interpretations of each god like uh, sant kabir rightly described this uh, that ek ram dasharath ka beta that we mm-hmm. say that one interpretation of god is the prince ram the son yeah. of uh, king dasharath and the and w- another is ek ram ghat ghat mein baitha mm-hmm. the ram that resides in each one of us yeah ek ram jiska sagal pasara it's an energy that makes everything that we see around us mm-hmm. and the fourth one is ek ram jo sabse nyara yeah that ram that is undescribable and beyond the parameters of description mm-hmm. so if we talk about our spirituality and our interpretation of god mm-hmm. how do we like it's it's quite interesting to point out that the imagination and therefore manifestation of this formless energy as a provider and protector has so much similarity to human form itself like it it yeah. could have been like a dot like uh, the later uh, interpretations of spirituality was brahma kumari hmm. but initially it started with it it so much resembles our own self our own body style our own like it's it's so much human yeah. and this not only reflects uh the philosophical viewpoint of seeing higher self and therefore the core idea of spirituality but it also highlights the culturally embedded cyclic idea of creation mm-hmm. and rebirth in the process adapted for making of these idols as you were earlier mentioning about that it it's a cyclic process right it's a recurring process at each year durga puja will be happening ganesh chaturthi will be happening and the material will be used and right. the materials were uh, so much relevant that they were supporting this act of cultural continuity correct that correct. each time you take out the clay you make the idol and it goes back hmm into correct. the uh, water body correct but if you talk about history of metal and their sh- uh, shaping it is an ancient as as ancient as the history of civilization 
the loss wax technique is a method of metal casting in which hot metal is poured into a wax model which is lost during the process and the wax is retrieved and can be used multiple times again wow so interesting so how old is this technique really it's it's quite old as i earlier mentioned it's more than 5000 years old so if you talk about evidence evidences of this technique uh, can be tracked in the iconic dancing girl the bronze sculpture uh, made mm-hmm. in 2500 bc in mohanjadaro that we found and yeah. to its extensive use during the rule of chola dynasty of uh, southern india also during the medieval uh, period chamba valley was an important political and artistic center so it was a major uh, attract attracting point for the uh, master artisans and uh, the people who have excelled in this craft from the regions diverse regions from kabul kutch uh, and uh, kashmir valley mm-hmm. to adopt yeah. the technique for their unique detailing and craftsmanship so kashmir and uh, jammu region took it forward and and they developed this mohra icons mhm yeah so accounting above these these all traditional adaptations along with examples of folk style of like uh, if, like uh, we are talking the earlier one was more of a classical style when we come to the classical formats the tikam gad is a great example of the same process same technique but a, two, a totally different context and different interpretation of the craft and if you okay. go to uh, uh, the region of chota nagpur uh-huh. that currently situates uh, the location around aapka bihar jharkhand chatisgarh this this whole area right so they had tribal interpretation of it as dhokra style so okay. they used to make their own jewelries their own toys and what not in the same format but it is more more rough more handy because that's tribal that's the kind of resources right. are available to them but interestingly this technique uh, revolutionized the production and utilization of ritualistic and utility items mm-hmm. it uh, enabled to conveniently take the idol out of the temple for ritualistic uh, ritualistic processions and empowered craftsmen to cast complex detailings with intricate details because before that if if it's in a stone idol you have limitation but like mm-hmm. i earlier mentioned of the mora icon it's a like in this uh, time of the year only near deshera the mora icon is taken to across the village for yatra so ah. that everyone can get the blessings and right. be, like earlier there was a cast uh, difference at at a larger scale and people most of the people had only this opportunity to have a rubru of bhagwan right right because it. before that so it it really revolutionized the way we think the way we uh, push forward our cultural boundaries mm-hmm. and extensive use of such rigorous but efficient method is in itself a reflection of the ancient cultural values prevailing in those times the process being circular in nature justifies its continuous use till date and uh, it has been referred multiple times the, the techniques in rigveda and with a detailed description of the metal uh, this this method shilpa shastra further elaborates 
and suggest the tools, techniques, and even composition of alloys yeah. that are used in both uh, sacred items and the utility items using this uh, lost wax bronze casting. Right, right. And metalworking has always been deeply uh, infused with religion, and therefore has uh, before an artisan even begins the project or any product that he is intended to make, he prays for the uh, guidance of the son of Vishwakarma who worked with copper. So it's it's all a cyclic process. It's all a uh, that's that's a major uh, thing that we would like to put forward that today we see an artisan as just a uh, laborer doing the same repetitive work again and again. But it is a lot of thought, it is a lot of devotion, it is a lot of uh, philosophical rigor and dedication in terms of spirituality, the kind of work he's doing, what he think of that work. So it's a really complex thing that in today's market is purely redefined on the what uh, wages that person is getting. But science uh, that finds reference in Rig Veda and Srip Sastra, this age-old method uh, spells precision, techniques, aesthetics, and circular use of material. That was uh, quite well put. Could you elaborate a little bit on how, what is there, what is the process involved in in this? So, Process uh, literally varies from people, uh, region to region. As I mentioned, uh, as I gave example of Tikamgad, Apka Dhokura art, or proper, or uh, one example can be of Swami Malaya idols. So they, they are classical forms. And if, if I further elaborate on the process of lost wax of uh, Swami Malaya, the casting process starts by preparation of wax model of the figurine mm-hmm. uh, with reference to the Agma Shastra the size of the structure and like everything form and figure is decided by the uh, traditional text that were or or we can say guidelines that were uh, that have yeah. been continuing for ages this includes using the natural resources around them the standards measurement mechanisms like for example uh, they use the ribbon of coconut tree for measurement and they fold it in different lengths to map the proportion of the figure. And they use the locally acquired bees and mix it with raisin and groundnut oil. And that that blend of wax is then used to make figures and intricate detailings is added onto it. And once the uh, wax model is dried, it is uh, covered with fine loom or aluminum soil and allowed to dry naturally. And uh, orifices are made on the mold for pouring. Like orifices are small holes so that uh, the molten metal can be uh, put into and the uh, uh-huh. molten wax can drain out. Yeah. And after completely drying, another layer of clay is mixed with cow dung, charcoal, paddy husk, sand. And so it is applied to like strengthen the framework better and right. and these these materials varies from place to place so maybe in some part of the country if the same similar classical style is uh, used they may use uh, maybe wheat husk so that that mm-hmm. totally depends on the availability of resources and what those people like it's it's serving one purpose so the material varies depending on the availability 
and so this this mold is further dried for three days, and then the mold is reinforced with metal wires so that it doesn't break because the load of the casting or the hot metal is quite uh, huge. Yeah. Then the dried uh, mold is then set onto fire for melting of the wax. So it's like you make a mold, uh, you make a, a wax figurine, you cover it with clay, let it dry, and then heat it to the level that the wax come out. And then you just have the mold with the intricate detailing in between. And then you can pour uh, the uh, molten metal into it. So that's a complete process in a nutshell. Interesting, yeah. But but the kind of time consumed is seriously large because the process is intricate and detail oriented. That that really makes us it uh, makes it valuable. And in addition to that, the composition of alloy ensures protection from deterioration and therefore gives it longer life. And even if 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 these idols are damaged, it can be repaired conveniently. Or can like it's if like the continuing the reincarnation phase of it, it can always be cast again by repeating the same process. Interesting. So it may be uh, rafugari that we discussed last or the last uh, lost wax casting method, or many more. Hopefully, we would be discussing in future. I just yeah. tip of the iceberg for all the traditional wisdom in indigenous craft practices, and more specifically, the artisans. Uh, continuing the legacy, hmm. and after the initial discussion that I had with Piyush, we we specifically named this series as cult- uh, circular cultures, because we strongly believe that sustainability can never be seen in isolation. The culture Absolutely. or the meaning appointed to the practice is the wrapping that comes along with it, and purposefully preserves it, and right. further promoting the practice that are good for everyone. Now that that I'm like really happy that you are also bringing forward the good practices so that they survive. They get the attention of the people. They get their uh, long-awaited validation and confirmation. They uh, they get support from uh, our mainstream consumption patterns and they survive because they are doing good to our society. They are doing good to our culture. They are doing good to our environment, most importantly. Absolutely. They are doing good to the environment. I, I wasn't aware about this lost wax technique until until today. And it was it's pretty cool. Even uh, when you mentioned about that wax being reused again for uh, making more, that itself shows how conscious they were of the materials they had. And they kind of created the best design a best process of getting an artwork done, which is something that we should be implementing even today. Today, just because um, we feel the materials are in abundance, it's just a false yeah, notion. Exactly we, exactly. we tend to take the uh, waste generating route and having that mindset itself is a problem. And that needs to change slowly. And I, like you have rightly mentioned, there are so many answers present in our history, so many answers and techniques uh, present culturally that it's time I think we should take inspiration from those. So thank you so much for enlightening all of us today around this idol making and lost wax casting technique. And on this note, it's a wrap on today's episode. 
please let us know your thoughts about our cultural segment if you know of some interesting history that relates to circular economy then do share with us on circularbusinesspodcast.india@gmail.com or you can message us both of us uh, vikas and i and piyush all of us are active on linkedin instagram twitter and messenger links for which are available in the show notes if this episode has added value to your life then make sure to share it with at least one friend or family if you find value i'm sure they too are going to find value in this so help us create that ripple effect we are counting on you for the support thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you soon in the next episode